does anyone else feel like you need to respond to him, like he can hear you? Isn't that the weirdest thing? You're like, yeah. Is he looking at me? He can see me right now. Uh, that, that video is kind of a running video we've had over this series. And what that illustrates is really as we deal with the important things of life, it, it flows together. Um, for me, I know life is sometimes easier when I just think nothing is connected. It all has its separate box. And I deal with one thing at a time, but really, as you deal with the important things in life, the things that help us, the things that cause us to experience growth, that cause change, you realize that all these things are are connected. And the first week of this series, we talked about the importance of really focusing on our relationship with God. No matter where we are, what are the things that we need to do that will help align our lives so we can become godly? We talked about the importance of spiritual disciplines in this new year how to read the scriptures, how to pray, how to depend on God and what that looks like. Uh, The second week, uh, Randy spoke on the the importance of renewal, how every year and really on a daily basis, we have to renew the commitments before us. We have to decide this is what I'm going to do before God. This is what I'm going to set out to accomplish. Uh, Last week, we talked about the importance of really moving from isolation to connecting with others. And how there's a part of all of us that life is sometimes easier alone. But really that blessing comes as we choose to do life with a group of people. This week, kind of that flows right from that, is what do we do with all of the things that God has given us? Our stuff, our money, everything that, that we have, what, what are we supposed to do with that? How do we manage it? And this issue is key to our development more importantly, to our spiritual growth. God has very specific things that help us as we try to do things his way in line with our finances. Sometimes we think that the Bible speaks in general terms or the Bible speaks to certain areas and not to others. Well, the Bible actually brings new perspective and in life into mostly every area whether it's general principles or specific instances of what we should do or shouldn't do. And it's the same with finances. This morning's message is kind of a a starting point for how to commit to certain habits that could provide financial freedom. I say starting point because if you're like me, anytime you bring up finances and what you should do, I feel like I need to take my head and run it into that wall. Maybe that's just me. There's a part of this where it's, it's, it can get stressful. You can get discouraged. You think, oh, I, I've started this, but I need to do this. And really, that's how it is in all areas of life. There's things that we think we should be doing, we should be better than what we're doing, and we get overwhelmed. This message isn't designed to smack you upside the head. It's really designed to let's look at the major categories of how to handle what God's given us with our money and take some steps in those areas to grow. I want to let you know as I launch this that as a church, we want to help you in this area. Uh, we're in a time where there's so many people that are under this weight of debt, under this weight of not having a job, under the weight of just the stress of making ends meet. And we want to help you. And through this uh, message, like I said, it's a starting point. In uh, February, February 12th, Randy's going to be launching a new series called Enough. And he's going to have a few weeks on this issue. How do we view our finances? What do we do with things like debt? What do we do with the stress that comes as we try to manage all this stuff? And so 
I encourage you, February 12th, if you're in this area and you just need some help, that will be a key message series for you to attend. So mark that on your calendar. Also, the beginning of March, we're doing a finance seminar called Getting Traction with Your Money. And this is a seminar led by, by Greg Fuller and Mark Gresick, two men in our church that have wisdom in this area. And I encourage you, if, if you need help, that could be a key seminar for you. If there's someone in your life as well that is under it, just this stress, think through inviting them. Now, first service, I said, be careful how you invite to events like that. Like, you may not want to say, I'm not going to go, but you need to. Okay? Just invite someone, hey, I'm going to go to this seminar on, on money. Would you like to come with me? So these are a few things. The reason I bring that up is we, we want to just let you know that, that we're here to help in any way that we can. But let's launch into this because God has some key things in this area that really can help us find blessing in life and, and really more importantly, that can really provide the growth that we need. Uh, Jesus tells us in Luke 16, 11, he sets this, this whole thing up of, of worldly wealth, of possessions and money. And he says this, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And he was saying that to an audience that included the religious leaders of their time called the Pharisees. And these people loved money. They loved their stuff. And what he was challenging was, if you don't handle money, wealth, finances, possessions, if you don't handle that in the right way, the true riches, the riches that come from God himself, spiritual blessings, future growth, that's really hindered greatly by what you do with what you've been given. There's a part where when you start realizing that's connected, this stuff is serious. And I'm speaking to you as someone who's also just trying to figure this out myself. But as I've learned in my own life, this is key to my own development and my own growth. So if you feel discouraged, hang in there. There's, there's a lot of hope that, that God brings. And we're going to walk through five habits for financial freedom. Anytime you hear five habits, seven principles, you always think, okay, another one of those, right? Well, these habits are, are based on kind of some wise sayings that Solomon, who's from the Old Testament in the Bible, who's considered the wisest man ever, these are based on kind of five sayings that he said, which is how do you handle certain areas related to money in the right way? So we're going to dig in. The first one is keep good records. If you're under stress in your own financial life, with what you've been given, one of the first habits you can do is to keep good records. Proverbs 27 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. See, back in the day, they didn't have Bank of America, Wells Fargo. Their assets were in a field eating the grass. And so when they're saying know the condition of their flocks, saying no how your wealth is doing, and it's out there on that field. That idea of know the condition is know it well. Know your flock well. That idea of condition in the original language is talking about a farmer who would come up to the sheep, and he gets face-to-face with the sheep, and the way he knows the condition is he, he looks at his mouth, he opens the mouth, he's checking out his fur, he's making sure that this sheep is healthy, that it's growing That it's going to be something that if he sells, the person he sells it to is going to be pleased with it. So there's this thing of, there's this part of knowing the condition of your flocks. You have to get down and know the details. What is going on? For us, 
I, first service I asked this and I didn't have a response, but for us, I don't think we own sheep and goats. Right? For us, it's basically know the condition of your bank account. Know the condition of what you're spending. Know the condition of your debt. Know what's going on with your finances. Just like the farmer who knows the condition of his flock by looking intimately at the sheep and finding out if it's healthy. Now, for me, I'm just going to throw this out there. What makes sense to me is what I call the bucket principle of finances. And this principle is you throw it all in a bucket and then stuff comes out of the bucket. And then you hope at the end of the month there's still stuff in the bucket. Honestly, that that seems like the greatest strategy ever. And then I've lived life and I realize, like, I have no idea what's in the bucket and what's coming out. And then I turn it upside down and it's empty. And I was like, well, that, that that's not good. But that's what makes sense to me, this this bucket principle. But with your finances, that's that's like the farmer. You say, how how's your sheep? And he's in his truck. And he looks at the field and he's driving by. Yeah, they look good. And half of them are like lying down like, ah, feed me. You can't be a farmer and just drive by your sheep and, yeah, they're good. You've got to get in there. You've got to see what's going on. The same is true. Now, depending on how you're wired, and I'm just going to briefly talk about this. This may be the greatest thing you've ever heard because you are like the spreadsheet king or queen. Like you're like, no, my record. this is awesome. This is what I live for. And you're just, that's my next step. I'm doing it. You could be like me. I would rather do anything else than know my records if I'm being honest. The bucket principle sounds wonderful. But there's a part where I'm not handling all I've been given if I don't know what's really going on. And I want to take a step back. Part of this perspective that Solomon's saying is based on the principle that everything that you have been given, everything that I have been given, flows from the hand of God. The idea of that is nothing you have, God hasn't allowed you to have. So there's this greater perspective, this greater backdrop principle, which is saying, if it's already God's, how am I handling what is his? Isn't that a different perspective? Because for me, I'm thinking it's mine. I'll do what I want to do. But if you really believe that God is the one who provides. And every good and perfect thing comes from him. As the scriptures say, if you really believe that, that means you you need to take this seriously. We are handling what God has given us. And knowing your records is key to that. Proverbs 24, 27 says, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Now, I'm not a builder, but it seems like I'd want to know what my supplies are, how long the project's going to take, how much money it's going to take, how many workers I need, what's the time frame before I start. But there's part of us where we just kind of want, yeah, I'll just, I'll do that. And we don't think about what's the planning. What's the preparations that I need to do to make the most out of what, what God has given me? So knowing your records, knowing your state, where you're at, no matter how depressing that may be, knowing where you're at is very important to handling money in a way that brings honor to God. Uh, here's just four ways that you can keep good records. If, if you've never done this before, here's the big pictures. You want to know what you own, what you owe. These are debts that you need to pay. So knowing what you owe is important. What you earn and where it all goes. This is the principle of, of budgeting. 
You need to know all four of those to keep good records. So action step for you, if you've never done this, think of what makes sense to you. How can you create a log so you can say, okay, God, you've given me this stuff. I want to know what it is. And you just, you write it down. Post-its, index cards, software, however, whatever works for you. I don't recommend the bucket. I've lived that. Number two, another habit, important. Plan your spending. Uh, This is the principle of budgeting. So accounting, it's kind of the first one, second one, principle of budgeting. What, what, what's coming in, what's going out, what I own, what I owe, and you, you, you specifically lay that out. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Whenever you deal with issues of diligence, the opposite of diligence is usually haste, which haste is you just don't think you act. Now, when it comes to money, sometimes the most appealing thing is you get money and you just do whatever you want to do with it. Doesn't that just sound wonderful? It's yours and you just, I'm going to do whatever I want with it. And there's a part of us like, yeah, do it. And then like your electricity goes off. No. But there's a part of all of us that there's this impulse where we want what we want. And we want it right away. And that greatly affects our wallet. It affects all those around us. When you're hasty, the last part of that verse is it leads to poverty. We want the benefit of being able to have freedom to do whatever we want with our money. But I don't think any of us would sign up for, yeah, poverty, let's do it. That sounds fun. Right? But have you ever bought anything at impulse? I'm not going to have you share because I'm just going to live open and honestly before you. Here's a thing called Turbo Jam. You ask what it is, and I don't know, but I bought it, and I've never opened it. I bought this off the TV, and I'll be honest, this isn't the first time I've done this. I've had a few of these stories. Every time I bought an impulse, I get this feeling three months later, like, that was really stupid. But what I've discovered is a thing like Turbo Jam at the moment, sounded like the best thing ever. And this morning, I was like, I wonder where Turbo Jam is. That's when you know it was an impulse buy, when you don't even know where it is anymore. And it was in my garage, like on the floor. And this is an impulse buy. The thing is, Turbo Jam didn't change my life like I thought it would. And a lot of times, impulse buys, it's just this feeling of, oh, that, that is, that's, that's the solution to my problem. Isn't that how it works? Something comes at you through the media. Someone has something, and you think to yourself, that's the value of Turbo Jam. Nothing against Turbo Jam. I'm just saying for my own life, it was an impulse buy. Disclaimer. (laughs) I don't want to get sued. Um, But for all of us, there's a part where we just, when we act on impulse, when we do what we want to do, it doesn't fit in really with what we need to do. That's that's haste. That You don't have blessing there. You, You have this feeling of, oh, man, I just wasted just wasted that. So this idea of, of budgeting, deciding where things need to go based on what you owe and your expenses, that, that's very important. And so it, it's, very, it's very important to, to plan what you're spending on. And like I mentioned, Randy's going to be talking uh, more about that. Proverbs 21.20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. 
The idea of the wisdom here is, you know, you're, you're building over time. You're saying no to things back here. You're saying no to things back here. And what happens is you, you receive blessing later. Fools or the hasty, they want the blessing here and now. And when you get the blessing here and now, all you get is that. As soon as that purchase is worn off, you want the next thing. So we have to, we have to deal with this. But, but the wise have a different way. Um, number three, as we deal with our, our money and what God has given us, God commands us to return 10% back to him. So return 10% back to God. Malachi 3.10. This is the principle of, of tithing, which tithing means 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is the only place in Scripture where God says to test him. Everywhere else, you don't test God. You don't oppose him by saying, I don't believe you. I don't think you, you, you got that one, God. But in this one, the idea of giving back to him, he's so gracious. He, he realizes that, frankly, that doesn't make any sense to us. You want me to give it back? What? And God says, I, I know. You're thinking that is the worst idea you've ever heard. But he gives the following promise. Test me in this and see if I'll not blow you away with how I provide. And this principle of giving back to God is key to growth. Being generous before God, being generous with others, it's key to growth. The first two, knowing your records, planning your spending, that's a, a key principle of, of being a, a faithful manager with what God's given you. Being a faithful manner, a manager is key to finding blessing in life. This third one, this is really being generous. This is another key blessing. If you're generous... God, he, he outgives you. He outblesses you. This is the promise that he made. Deuteronomy 14 says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all your crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. I'm just go over briefly three things that this idea of tithing does. If, if God is saying to test him in this, that this is something that he will prove to you that he will bless, and it's important, let, let, let's dig into what, what that is. The first is, why, why tithe? Well, the first is, it's, a, it's an act of gratitude. That it's a reminder. Everything comes from you. When you give to God, you're saying, you know, God, everything comes from you. And I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for you. So in gratitude of the past, I take the first part and give it back to you. It's just a reminder that it's all yours. Second thing that you show when you tithe is it's an act of priority in the present. Saying, God, I want you to be number one in my life. And to prove it, I'm putting you first in my money. Third, it's a statement of faith. It's saying, God, I know all the promises in the Bible that say if I put you first, you'll bless me. To prove that I'm trusting you, I'm going I'm to give you the first. And God's, God's saying here is, 
You give to me, and I'll show you how I will give to you. He will pour forth his blessing. And I've experienced this in my own life. The times where I'm thinking, how do I, how do I carve this out with all the other things that I have going on? What I realized, and early on in my marriage, my wife and I decided that we, we, were gonna, we weren't going to mess with this area by withholding from God. We were going to give back to him. And what I've seen again and again is how he has provided. Even when we've screwed up a lot of the other parts of smart budgeting, God is gracious. He has always provided. And a key is, is as you, you have an open hand with the things that you've been given, God, God blesses you. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. And he gives a description that I think is helpful. It says, giving jumpstarts our relationship with God. It opens our fists so we can receive what God has for us. When we see what it does for others and for us, we open our fists sooner and wider when the next chance comes. There's a part of this stuff with giving and generosity that we fall into what I call the two- and three-year-old principle. Mine, mine, mine. If you have young kids, you, you know exactly what that is. And it's like when a kid gets something, because they're selfish and they want what they want, they have something and they look at you as a parent. This is mine. And you look at them and say, no, it's not. You may have to unclench their fist to get it from them. But you know what? We, as adults, have the same thing going on in our heart. Because a part of us is with all these things that we've been given, our job, our relationships, our money, our stuff, we have a fist. It's mine. And the thought of giving back just 10% doesn't make any sense because it's mine. What God does is you start to do things his way. And as you turn to him and surrender to him, he slowly loosens the clench of your fist. Your fingers start to pry open because of his graciousness, his patience. And you can, before him, have an open hand. Because you know that everything that you have has come from him. And you may be thinking, oh, I, I'm so off in my budgeting, in my finances. God is gracious. Start where you are. If you've never given anything, give something. Wherever that is, whatever that is. If you have a lot and you're thinking, I don't know what to do with all this. Or you have little and you think, I don't know what to do with all this. Start where you are. God is, is gracious. And you commit to him. You decide, I'm going to try to work on this area. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to all fit into how you thought it all should go. But commit and ask God, ask God to help you. That's the good news. We actually can receive help and blessing from him. Um, so we've, we've talked about those two areas, being faithful as a manager. And then third, really being faithful by being generous. I'm going to just go over the, the last two briefly. Number four. Actually, I, I missed First Timothy 6. Let me read that because it kind of describes this principle. Command those who are rich in, the present, in this present world not to be arrogant, not, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. This is one of those passages 
If you're like me, you, you want to memorize. Because we need a reminder. God, help me not to put my hope in wealth. Because right now it seems like if I had more stuff and more money, it would really make everything easier. This is just a reminder. Help me not to put my hope in that, but to put my hope in you. I encourage you, this, this may be a verse you would just want to memorize as a reminder in the midst of that struggle. So number four, save for the future. Let's move on. Proverbs thirteen eleven: Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. This is kind of the picture of the animal that, that gathers when it's harvest time, stores it up when it's winter time so they can eat. And saving is one of those things. Depending on where you are, you're thinking, how can I save? And it may be true. But even if you save just this for an emergency or something that, that comes up, because life, it happens in so much is unpredictable. And this is one of those areas for me where I, I have this goal of, well, if I, I'm going to save all this. And it, it rarely happens. But if I'm saving some just in case an emergency or a circumstance comes up, trouble, if I have something that in an emergency can help, you want to do that. Proverbs 20, 21, an inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. Again, this is speaking to the idea of hastiness. If you're not saving because you just want to spend in the here and now based on what you feel and what you want, you can get in lots of trouble. So you want to be smart. You want to do your due diligence. And at the same time, through all this, you, you, you trust God. Because you can't put your trust in your savings. You can't put your trust in your budgeting. You can't put your trust in your, your management software. You have to put your trust in God. You do your due diligence, but you trust God. Okay? Um, I talked about the, the seminar. This is going to dig more into this stuff. So I encourage you to attend that. Number five, the last habit that you can do is enjoy what you have. In my thinking, when I think of money, the first thing I want to do is I want to enjoy it. Can you guys relate to that? Paycheck comes, party. Bills come, boo. Right? But enjoying what you have isn't just like, this is fun and great. It's really being content. It's not just the fun, but it's being content with what you have. Ecclesiastes 6, 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. I do that. Wow, if I had that, that would be amazing. If I had Turbo Jam, my fitness would be awesome. I've chased that wind. It's a coaster in my house currently, that DVD. It's a chasing of the wind. The new and best thing that you think is going to solve a problem. It's like a chasing of the wind. Hebrews 13.5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We're all in different places financially. Some have more. Some are really struggling. 
Some have got this down. Some are thinking, how do I start? We're all in different places. But this idea of contentment and specifically that last part, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is the key to the whole thing. God is going to take care of you. He can be fully trusted. So no matter where you are, it begins with trusting in him. He will take care of you. He will not rip you off. Your investment in him, no economy can touch it. No downturn, no depression, no housing crash, whatever it is, nothing can touch his kingdom. So it begins with that idea of, God, this is all screwed up. And I'm way off. In this area, it's trickling in other areas. No matter where you are, begin with trusting in him. And if you need help in what that looks like, let us know. But that's a key verse. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Thank you, God, for that promise. So we're, if you're like me, you, you may be all out of whack with this category of stuff and our money. Uh, this is the tendency most people do. You see this at the bottom of your outline. People, we want to earn it. We want to enjoy it. Then we repay it. Then we focus on the debt. Okay, after I've enjoyed it, I'll give the rest to my credit cards. Uh, then I'll maybe save it after it, and then I'll, I'll give it. I'll be generous. Okay? Well, this is the order that, that God works in and how he blesses. And he meets you where you are. This is the goal. Um, You've got to earn it. And the second is you, you need to tithe it. You need to give it back to God. This is God first. Then you save it. Whatever that is, for an emergency fund, just put something just in case life hits you. And then repay it. Get after the debt. Get after the things that that you owe. And then you enjoy it. See, if I would have started the message with, all right, guys, finances. You've got to enjoy it last. Let's pray. Isn't that like the most depressing? Because everything is like, I just want to enjoy it. What you find is, when you actually... Surrender everything to God. You you unclench that fist and when you open it. And when you're generous, you give to God, you give to others. What you find is that is really where the enjoyment comes. It doesn't make sense because you think if I do it exactly how I want to do, that's where the fun is. This is one of those, those upside down ideas. That as you surrender to God, he actually multiplies the blessing. So what I want you to do, there's five habits there. These are general. There's so many principles that can be learned in each of these areas. But I want you to do is, is think through, is, for this year, is there one of those habits that you can work on or learn more about? Or ask someone for what they do. Get their perspective. Put a star next to one of those habits. And I encourage you this year, take the next three to six months to work on that. I'm going to go over my next steps as the band comes up. And I just encourage you, related to this, take a step in, in this area in your life. So the first thing is it could be to choose one of these habits to work on. The second, it could be to attend or to invite someone to the, the Enough series. That will provide just more help, more truth from the scriptures. Or 
Save the date for that, that seminar, the Getting Traction With Your Money, which I mentioned. Maybe you, just, you know you need to attend that. I encourage you to, to let us know that. And then fourth and fifth, these are general kind of CIV commitments, but maybe it's you, you need help, you want to get with a group of people. Sign up for a growth group or go to the quiet time class. Learn more about spiritual disciplines, what it means to trust God. So these are a few things. You may have one of your own. Write, write that down as well. Mark that on your connection card and we're going to be receiving our offering after I pray and you can, you can drop that in there. Let's pray together. God, thank you for how gracious you are. And I know for me, I fight discouragement and I fight just feeling like this can be overwhelming, trying to be a, a manager of the stuff you've given me. But I, I do thank you for your grace. And I, I just pray against discouragement and worry and fear uh, in this area. You really want to bring blessing as we trust in you. And so I, I just pray that you'll give us the step we need to take to move towards that trust and show us uh, any obstacle that may lie in our way. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.